0: Welcome everyone to today's devotion. Um, having computer issues, so we're going to redneck this thing a little bit, even though I'm in the office. Um, uh, before we get started, a couple of things. One, uh, I'm well aware I forgot Friday's devotion. Um, that's just what happens when um, snow apocalypse and ice apocalypse throws everything off. Fridays are my day off, so I usually pre-record on Thursday, got out of routine. So we'll, we'll look at what we were supposed to do last Friday today. Also, one of the things we, we hope to be doing on our Facebook and YouTube and other uh, pages is posting um, uh, 40 days of prayer featuring some of our members. Um, the 40 days of prayer is leading up to Easter. Um, East Frankfurt, along with other Kentucky Baptist churches, are involved in what's known as the Gospel to Every Home. It's a statewide effort to take the Gospel to every home, to share the Gospel with uh, with as many people as possible. So uh, if you'd like to help us in that effort, um, be sure to reach out to me or us here at the church. Um, but our goal by the end of the year is to reach as many people as we can uh, with the good news of Jesus. And so starting now, between now and Easter, the emphasis is going to be on prayer. And then come spring, shortly after Easter, we'll do more specific outreaches. But if you want to do outreach, it's, it's, it's pretty easy. Go talk to somebody. In fact, your church right now could double in size between yesterday and this upcoming Sunday. All you have to do is for each person to bring someone with them. Uh, That's it. There's there's no rocket scientist to church growth. There's no rocket scientist to reach in the nations for Christ. Um, uh, So pray for those that God has put in your life who need to know Jesus, that God has called you to be that missionary to them. Speaking of missionaries, let's look at Acts chapter 16. In Acts 16, a couple things happen. One is we meet uh, two interesting characters. One will be a long-term character that will play an important role beyond the book of Acts. Uh, and the other is a, is a well-known one that doesn't really play much of a role, but um, many are fond uh, of this character. So, so we'll highlight them. Uh, and then we'll see a story that parallels what we saw earlier with Peter, um, but the, the outcome was, was different. So, um, let's start in verse one. It says, "Paul came also to Derby and Lystra. Remember, it's Lystra in chapter fourteen, where he was stoned almost to death. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and took him and circumcised him because of his because of the Jews who were in those places." For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Some some debate here. It's interesting that with Timothy, Paul has him circumcised. With Titus later, he doesn't. So what you have with Timothy is his father is Gentile, his mother is Jewish. And so because of the, the mother's line, Paul went ahead and had Timothy circumcised because he didn't want that issue to, to be a stumbling block for ministry. However, later with Titus... He does not do that. He brings that up, I believe, in Galatians. Um, and it'll show up in Acts as well, as we'll see. But um, uh, because Titus is a Gentile. So the issue is is that because of Timothy's Jewish heritage on the mother's side, he went in and went through the ritual of circumcision. So as not to cause of stumbling block. But with Titus, who is only a, a Gentile, um, Paul's theology rightly understands, and we saw in chapter 15 last Thursday, that circumcision doesn't save, and one doesn't need to be a uh, circumcised in order to to receive the redemption in Christ. So that's why Paul goes through this. But here we meet Timothy, um, and Timothy's gonna play an important role, yes, at Acts, but really beyond Acts. Uh, this is the Timothy who will uh, become one of the primary um, ministers with Paul, and then following Paul, um, and um, starting a legacy of, of, of ministers um, after him. So um, he'll show up in his two letters. He'll show up in Hebrews. He'll show up in many of the, the greetings uh, that Paul has. So Timothy is a very, very important uh, figure, a, a young person that Paul mentors. And there is something good and right about mentoring uh, future ministers. We, we, we seek to do that here at East Frankfurt. Um, people wanting to go into ministry. We, we invite them to do a year-long internship. Um, with that. Well, I want to skip down um, just to summarize verses 6 to 10. Uh, Paul plans on going to some cities, but the Spirit says no. But this call him the Macedonia. So we see there the role of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts is, is a vital, uh, really, probably the main storyline. But um, it's God sovereignly leading Paul and Silas and now Timothy to Macedonia, not to these other places, for whatever reasons he, he desired. But verses 11 to 15 is the story of Lydia. Now, Lydia doesn't play uh, a huge role in Acts, um, but is is pr- a pretty well-known character. Uh, setting sail from Choash, we may direct voyage to uh, Samothrace, I don't know how to pronounce that, and the following day to Neapolis. I just want to pause there and highlight. It's, it's very subtle, you may have missed it. Um, verse 11 it says, We went and did this. In fact, it, the first reference that I could find in chapter 16 to a we was in chapter 10. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia. And and I believe all the other references was they. They went to Lystra, they and tried to go to this other city, you know, but all of a sudden, starting in verse 10, it is we. Now, this we is an important detail in Acts. Remember, I've, I've tried to point these out as often as, as I could, um, that Luke writes really as a historian more than the other narrative writers of, of, of the New Testament. He, he, he does a lot of investigation, does a lot of work, and so often he gives us characters that, uh, and gives, gives us their, their names, likely identifying uh, for us his, his eyewitnesses. But starting here in chapter 16, we're going to get a lot of wheeze. And the reason is because Luke is telling us he was there. And one of the things you'll find is when Luke is present, the details skyrocket. We'll see this particularly later near the end of the book with the, um, uh, the shipwreck. It is, it is um, too much detail, really. And the reason is because Luke's there. So we're getting Luke's account of the story of Paul. And this is interesting because the four Gospels are all eyewitness accounts. Matthew and John, of course, are eyewitnesses as disciples. Luke in his investigative nature. Mark in the influence of Peter. So we see Acts doing the same thing. This is important when it comes to historical um, study. Uh, that the most reliable documents we have on the rise of Christianity in in the first century is in the Bible itself right and you could say that as a secular historian and not just as a Christian, but regardless they they, they arrive uh, verse twelve from there to Philippi which uh, um, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia Rome call notice the details we, we don't need any of this it's nice, but we don't need it and it's it's more details than what we got in other places. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down, spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, same city that John would write a letter to, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be Faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. She prevailed upon us. Uh, So this is the story of Lydia, her conversion. Um, They're out there just sharing the gospel with anyone who would receive it. And uh, the Lord opens her heart. Uh, Let me add just just one little detail here, and that is her entire household is saved. Uh, This is a matter of some debate, particularly between Credo Baptists and Paedo Baptists. As a Southern Baptist, I'm a Credo Baptist. I believe that Baptists are based on one's creed, one's faith, rather than Pato baptism, which is the baptism of, of infants and babies, um, the household redemptions are, are, are do not demand that there are babies being baptized or that babies are believing because babies can't believe. Uh, but this comes up quite a bit in Acts that you have entire households being saved. Well, I don't think that's that's a surprise. I've baptized uh, married couples, and through that, their children. You later come to faith, and I would say those are household um, redemptions, um, and I think you have something like that going on with with Lydia. I want to look at one last part of chapter sixteen um, before concluding today, and this goes down to verse um, twenty-five, and this is the Philippian jailer, um, and the reason this story is important is because it parallels a similar story with Peter. Remember the humor story where Peter is in prison the church in Jerusalem are praying fervently for him and the angel um, breaks his chains and Peter walks out and goes to the church, right? And the little girl uh, was so excited, she forgot to let Peter in, you know, and uh, and as a result, those jailers, if I remember right, um, were punished. Well, that's what happens. If someone breaks free from prison, you are punished often by execution. Well, if essentially, the same story happens here, except Paul and his companions don't escape. They actually stay. And there's more going on here. Notice, starting in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, so they're arrested for preaching the gospel, and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, it's amazing, isn't it? They are in prison for reasons of injustice. They're victims of injustice, and yet their attitude is that of joy. Look, this is why I think reading the Bible is so good is because when we put ourselves into their shoes, which is what narrative does for us, it really puts the things we complain about in perspective. Right? So, so my computer right here is on the other side of my phone here, is, is acting quite slow today. And it's easy to, to be frustrated that you're not able to do the things that you wanted to do, and not everything's going as you planned. You think about it, this pales in comparison to what it is Paul and, and his companions are going through, and yet here they are giving praise to the Lord in the middle of their circumstances. American evangelicals have got to learn this. If we want to see a turnaround, we have got to be the turnaround. We have got to really change the way we go about our faith, the way we live our faith, and and the attitudes by which we we live. Look, you are going to have to choose joy. And Paul and his companions choose joy despite their circumstances. And you notice that the other prisoners— who, assumingly, are there for justified reasons. They're listening in on Paul. They're listening in on his companions. There's something different. How can I have the joy that they possess? And, and, And that starts the process of being open to the gospel. Look, when we are inconsistent with our faith, people aren't going to listen to us. And so Paul here is singing in verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's bonds were unfastened. So this is clearly a supernatural earthquake. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Now, this is different from Peter's. Peter's now, Peter didn't do anything wrong. Paul didn't do anything wrong. But there are some circumstances uh, lead to, to different responses. Uh, Peter was, was redeemed by uh, the angel and led back to the church as the answer to their prayers. Here, Paul sees this as, as an opportunity, uh, trusting that the Lord will uh, provide for him, and so he stays. And imagine again, he's not in prison for justified reasons yet. He's willing to stay for the good of the prisoners, for the good of the faculty and staff of that prison and for the sake of the gospel. It's an incredible story that that we have here. So, um, verse 29, the jailer called um, four lights and rushed in and trembling with fear fell down before Paul and Silas Then brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So we see it's similar to the story of Lydia, isn't it? Um, Is that... There, there wasn't. They woke up that day not anticipating giving their life to Christ, but God got a hold of them, used circumstances to lead them to Christ. Look, what is Paul doing? He faithfully follows the direction of Christ. He simply obeys. The Spirit is doing the work. Believers are doing the obeying. It really, is that simple? Well, Lord willing, we'll go back to our more traditional camera and whatnot uh, tomorrow. But um, when we'll be in Acts 17, an important chapter, particularly in ministering in a very secular context. Um, and so we'll look, look at that. Uh, and hopefully we'll be putting more content out there in the next 40 days, starting today. So hope to see you guys, and have a good rest of the day.